Are you a Christian who keeps their word? Kind of a crazy question to ask Christians, right? Because when you think of a Christian, you think of somebody who ought to be honorable, trustworthy, dependable. But if you were to ask several close people in your life, would they say you are a person who keeps their word? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be diving into James chapter 5, verse 12, and we're going to be learning a thing or two about how we as Christians need to be people who do what we say. So turn to James chapter 5, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you are blessed in the Lord, that you are standing strong in your faith as you continue to stand strong in the Word of God. As always, it's a blessing to be with you guys here on the podcast as we study God's Word together. And as you know, we've been studying the book of James for quite some time now. Today is podcast 157. And so if you've missed any previous podcast, you can always go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. Now, also, if you are new to the podcast or you've been with us for quite some time, just to give you guys a heads up, you'll be seeing a change when you go to the website, you click on podcast, there's a drop down. So there'll be the chronological teachings in the book of, well, actually, I should say the, the gospels in chronological order. Uh, to make that more convenient for you guys, as well as the book of Acts and now here in James. So again, take advantage of that. Uh, check us out you know, on the website and share this with your friends. Uh, th- it's important that we as Christians are letting people know some resources. Matter of fact, as I'm recording this right now, I was at the gym and uh, a lady um, that I'd met, um, I don't remember how, but you know, her a husband is into various different ministry things and they purchased uh, several of my books or whatever. And uh, we just got to talking, hadn't seen her in a while and led me to have a discussion with her about, um, you know, certain study Bibles. And she was going through a chronological reading of the Bible. And so I was able to kind of, you know, steer her to some, some great resources. And again, it's just a great reminder is even for our fellow believers, we can't just assume that they know about, let's say, Bible Gateway. You know, I was just talking to a pastor recently. He uses Logos, as I use Logos, the best software out there, Bible software. Of course, there are tons of commentaries and, and lexicons and different, you know, resources and however deep you want to study God's Word and gets very technical. But also there's Bible Gateway where you can subscribe for, I think, no more than four bucks a month and you get up to 40 different commentaries. So again, that's a great resource for my listeners out there, take advantage of that free of cost. It's not a promotion here on the podcast. I just want to give a shout out to Bible Gateway for that. The New Living Translation Chronological Study Bible Life Application Version is an amazing uh, study Bible that really uh, and, and just engages the reader into exploring aspects of uh, Bible history and putting things together in such a a neat, neat way. And so that's what we want to do. We want to be able to be Christians who are growing in our faith, but also letting other believers know the importance of studying God's Word and giving them opportunity to uh, know uh, what we're studying and how we're, 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 we're going about that. So use Stand Strong in the Word 
in our study notes at standstrongministries.org as an opportunity for people to grow in their faith as they study God's word. So with that being said now, let's transition to James chapter 5. And again, to bring up to speed, let me just, because we're, we're now at the tail end of studying the book of James. And this series is patiently awaiting the return of Christ. Now, as we're awaiting the return of Christ, as they were in the early church, okay, nothing different to, to 2,000 years later to what they were dealing with, there are going to be, and there are, right, greedy rich people who take advantage. Matter of fact, in our culture in America today, it's about the one percenters. You hear a lot of trash talk about these people, that these rich, you know, conniving capitalists, you know, the richer they get, the more poor people become. Well, in part, that's true, obviously, but I don't say it's entirely true. But we have to, all of us have to be careful that we are not greedy rich. Now, in this case, as I was mentioning a few podcasts ago in verses one through six, I do believe that James is calling out the unbelievers and calling them out to repent. And he addressed the rich member, these unbelievers, back in chapter four, verses 13 through 17. And the language that he uses, like weep in hell, that's a public declaration to the greedy rich of them oppressing the poor. And they're very unjust people and they're unrepentant. And he warns of God's impending judgment. And so that is a cry that we as Christians are to put on, if you will, non-believers today and not tolerate. I was just in a meeting recently and one of the guys was asking, Jay, to what degree do we call out sin? And I said, as the Lord tells you to. And then there's some very upfront uh, and personal remarks uh, that, and again, not in a condescending way, but in a righteous way, you see people calling out sin. And that's what James was doing in verses one through six. And then we transitions and he says in verse seven to be patient. And notice he says, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. And we saw how repeatedly in those five verses that James talked about being patient, persevering, and waiting for the coming of the Lord. And he used the picture of a farmer, okay? That's how he detailed it. So impending judgment's gonna come on the greedy rich, but we will also be judged as Christians about how we stewarded the gifts of God as we await the return of our king. And so he will be coming, we're told in Matthew 16, he will be coming, my friends, with his reward in hand. And that should motivate all of us to stay focused as we run this race, that we run it faithfully, as Paul the Apostle ran it, he tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8. And so in verse 8, I love this, this verse. It's, it's just so powerful and so like pointedly written. I want to share with you as we jump into verse 12. James writes here, you also be patient, establish. Remember, that was the word strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So then he transitioned in verse nine about not grumbling. The judge is standing at the door. And then he, he says, hey, there's examples, my friends, of people who suffered. And we need, to be re we need to be patient like the prophets. And so you and I, you know, are reminded of prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah and Daniel as they waited, right? The return of God or the coming Messiah. We are, we are waiting for the second advent of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 11, he says, you remember the steadfastness of Job? And he says, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And that was the third illustration that we are given. And so now we are in 
verse 12. And that's the only verse I'm going to focus on on this podcast today. And then following that, as we end this particular book, and I pray that you guys have been blessed. And let me know that, by the way. Anytime you hear a podcast, I want you to know, I just was in a lunch meeting um, recently talking to a pastor about prayer and saying, you know, how often are you, when you receive these prayer requests, do you meet with these individuals? And he says, sadly, very rarely. And I said, why is that? He said, because most of the prayer requests we get in are anonymous. And, you know, so it's great that people are saying, hey, pray for me, but it's sad that they are too ashamed or embarrassed uh, to even put their name on these prayer requests. And the sad thing is, on top of that, is in this pastor and his team, they're unable to reach this person. And so we just pray that God will draw them to one another so that that fellowship can continue to grow. And so we're going to see at the end of this, uh, this letter about the prayer of the righteous in the next episode as we conclude this book. But before we do that, and of course, we'll talk about how to restore a Christian who falls away. And of course, I get a lot of questions about that in my travels and discussions about, you know, to what extent in James 5, 19 through 20. So uh, I look forward to jumping into that particular topic as we end our study in the book of James. But for right now, I think it's important for us to highlight because James, again, does such a wonderful job inspired by the Holy Spirit, obviously, but a wonderful job in writing in great detail, but it's so short. And so sometimes we can miss it. And I want to devote this entire podcast right now to this verse here. And so let me read it. So if you have a Bible available, turn to James 5, verse 12. Listen to what James writes here. But above all, okay, that... That's the reason why I went back to the context of what we just left off in James 5, 7 through 11, because notice he says, above all, my brothers. So after all that he's talked about, the greedy rich are going to be judged. You got to be waiting for, for Christ. You got to persevere uh, in the midst of suffrage. Look to the prophets and look to Job. God's purposes will not uh, be um, tossed aside, but they will come to flourishing. They will come to pass. They will bear fruit. Again, being patient as we wait the return of Christ, he says, but in verse 12, but above all. Now, again, let me pause. Go back to verse 9. Do not grumble so that you may not be judged. Then he says about patience. So when he's saying above all, so above all those things I just, I just wrote to you, my brothers, do not swear. That literally means do not take an oath either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. All right. So in the opening of the podcast, I asked you, are you a person of, the, of your word? When people think about you, if you're to ask your spouse, if you're married, a sibling, a child, maybe a pastor or a leader in your church and you say, Hey, do you, would you consider me to be a person? And again, be honest, right? That I'm a person of my word, that my yes is yes. And my no is no. What would they say? So now let's look at what James is saying here. Now, this obviously is very explicit. I've told you throughout the entire letter so far, James being the first letter written to the early church, that he actually uses the Sermon on the Mount, his half-brother sermon 
Matthew 5 through 7, as the outline to his letter. And so clearly in verse 12, you see this just popping out, okay? And we'll see that in a minute. But if you notice how James starts off this section, above all, so up to this point, again, let me just reiterate because it's so important. This is, remember, here on the podcast, try to do our best to emphasize the context. And obviously we're limited with time sometimes, so there's other things we'd like to talk about. But I think it's important for just look at the context. Once again, what did he talk about in this last chapter? James rebuked the greedy rich in verses 1 through 6. Encouraged Christians to remain patient in the midst of persecution 7 through 11. And in the subsequent context, James will reassure Christians to continue to pray fervently to God in verses 13 through 18. Therefore, verse 12 acts as a pivotal marker between patience and prayer. Isn't that fascinating? So if we link our, remember the title of this whole series in chapter five is about awaiting the patient, the, the, the waiting, the return of Christ with patience, right? In order to be patient, in order to be a fervent in our prayers, we have to be people of the word. And as we're people of the word, we have to be people who stick to our word. Let me unpack that, okay? Some of you might be wondering, what does that mean exactly, Jason? James would have no need to bring up oaths if the early church wasn't abusing them. So again, Yes, we believe Christ is going to return. Remember, this is very early in the early church. And many of us today, we are awaiting. We're, we're crying out Maranatha, right? Come, Lord, come. Come quickly. We believe in the second coming of the Lord. Now, obviously, in my eschatological position, I believe the rapture will come first where he'll take the church, okay? And you may not believe that. You may just believe in, you know, we'll go through the tribulation period and then Christ will return. And, and again, hope, hopefully you can be able to give chapter and verse to defend your, your position. But I'm not here to debate that. You know, you, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you and I believe in the second coming of Christ, that's what ultimately in the end matters, okay? And so that's what James is focusing here. But as people are awaiting the return of Christ, and they believe in the power of prayer, but they're abusing their oaths, that's a problem. Matter of fact, for James and for us today, it's a big problem. You see, my friends, if the church continues to make vows and attempt to persuade or manipulate God, their faith will not stand. Bargaining with God is not a biblical practice, but based on false religion. So ultimately what will happen is if you're not a person of your word and you're making oaths to try to persuade or to manipulate or take things out of context or think that if you go this route, then God will bless you because of it as a, as a result but there's manipulation there. That's a false motive. That false motive will eventually lead to a false religion or it's motivated by a false religion, which explains why James is placing oaths at a, as a top priority. And I'm seeing it even my friends today. Jesus brought it up in context to a Christian living. So then his half-brother brings it up in, as a first letter, in the, you know, in the first letter to the church and addressing this in the middle of patience and prayer. That's how important this is because you and I know when, when, when you can't trust someone, when they say something, when something comes out of their mouth, remember Jesus said, by your words will be justified, by your words will be condemned. And they say, oh, I got your back. I'll do that. Or they promise, 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 promise. They've been over backwards. That's a problem. 
There's a problem there. So when James is saying, do not swear, right now, my friends, we have to not be overbearing in making promises, making oaths. Now, obviously, it's probably a little different in the first century, given their culture and the social structures of their time, uh, many of them being Jewish and coming to saving faith. And what James, so what he's doing is he's clearly reiterating what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, as I mentioned earlier, and that can be found in Matthew 5, 34 through 37. So let me just read this and then let's apply it to us today about being people of our word, keeping our word, not embellishing things, not trying to manipulate, but that people can count on us. Notice what Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 34, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Something more than this comes from evil. Notice anything more, excuse me, anything more than this comes from evil. Matthew 5, 34 through 37. Now, again, let's bring copper, uh, a proper context to Matthew 5, what Jesus taught, and shortly thereafter here in James chapter 5, verse 12. Now, customarily, people would swear by the name of God to back a claim or promise. Okay, that's what they did. Just like, again, and I'm going to say this without using it in a blasphemous term, but when someone says, I swear to G-O-D, right? Like, you got to believe me, I swear to like a higher authority. In that case, you know, God himself. Some people do that. Now, I don't know if you do that. I don't know how you feel when you hear other people do that. But that's what people would do, right? They would swear by the name of God to back a claim or promise. Now, the Pharisees, they would swear to a variety of oaths with variations to appear pious and binding only to, to those they see fit. So they would make these promises. They would bind themselves in these oaths with certain people um, to, to keep the contract, okay? Now, over time, God's name was debased. And people's promises became inconsequential. So, some, so again, that's that abuse. Okay, it gets to the point where it's not honorable at all. Matter of fact, Leviticus 19 verse 12, God says, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So when, when first he says, do not swear, above all things, do not swear, do not take an oath either by heaven or by earth, okay? So it doesn't matter how you phrase it or how you frame it. Don't even begin to go down that road because the Bible says that you're not to profane the Lord your God. So you got to make sure that you are going to be a man or woman of your word. And you're not going to manipulate by putting God in the context like a stamp of approval to make it sound like God's got your back. When he doesn't. Okay? So let your yes, Christians are not to have a flippant attitude to the truth. So that's the other level here. One is, again, don't make an oath that you can't keep and that God doesn't honor. And don't, quote unquote, swear to G-O-D um, saying that he backs you to try to get that person to buy into it. And don't let your, 
you know, don't say yes to something and then be flippant about it. Christians are not to be flippant. Think about how nominal, how inconsistent Christians are today. We are called to be people of our word, my friends. We are to be people that people can count on. The New King James Study Bible says this, quote, James is not forbidding a believer from taking an oath in court or invoking God as witness to some significant statement. He's not denying that. But notice the commentary continues to say, instead he is promoting, or excuse me, instead he is prohibiting the ancient practice of appealing to a variety of different objects to confirm the veracity of one statement. This practice was extremely close to idolatry for it implied that such objects contain spirits. The warning in these verses can serve as a reminder to us to watch what we say. We should not use God's name in a reckless matter, and we should be careful to speak the truth, end quote. That's what James is trying to get at the church and the takeaway for us today. Matter of fact, let me give you guys a few records or a few examples of people who made solemn oaths that were done the right way. When Jesus was before Caiaphas in Matthew 26, 63 through 64, he promised him of the judgment that was going to come as a result of persecuting him and having him die. And the blood on his hands and his people would not go unpunished. A second example, when Paul was longing to go to Rome and Rome excuse me, in Romans 1, verse 9, and speaking the truth in Romans 9, verse 1. But they were done in an honorable sense, not in a flippant way or not in a way that's being manipulative. Because the difference we know is when you do that, it says that you not fall under condemnation. So this is a third commandment in context of Scripture that we see James laying out. Literally means you shall not use the Lord's name in vain which is specifically prohibiting people from invoking God to take advantage of others. So Jesus clearly was not taking advantage of Caiaphas and a solemn oath, and neither was Paul. The sole purpose, one, is Jesus was laying down his life for the forgiveness of sins as a second Adam to atone for our sins. And the other thing with Paul is Paul was going, he wanted to go to Rome longing to speak the truth, he says in, in chapter 9, verse 1. For the gospel's sake, that people might be saved. So he's, he's giving an oath in the Lord because God was directing. So when we talk at that level, that's spirit-filled, my friends. You're not flippantly making a commitment. You're not invoking God's name so that you can manipulate people. And you know what? why I bring this up? It's because I've seen it, sadly. And I'm sure many of my listeners right now, that's happened to you. And again, sometimes I'll do this, is I'll then turn to the same listeners and some of you in the audience listening. You have done this. You have used the Lord's name. You've invoked God's name. And, and as a result, you took advantage of people. They fell for it. As this is not just, hey, you should feel ashamed. No, you should repent. You should repent because that's what happens when you and I open our heart to God's word, when it pierces us, convicts us. So those who defame God's name and lie to others will be punished for their sinful actions. 
So if you've done that, my friends, you will be punished. You will not get away with that. Now, if you can make things right, if you led somebody astray and you swore on the name of God for something that you're going to do something and you didn't fall through, some of it can be kind of mild in, in, in the promises you made. But what's, what you should never do, and I don't care how little the promise was, don't bring God into the discussion. Don't make an oath. Don't swear upon his holy name flippantly. Or when you're, you're, you're doing it in a manipulative way. So get right with God if you're doing that. If someone has done that to you, pray for them, you guys, that they would repent of their sins and they would get right with God. So hopefully, you guys, that, that helps you as you look at James chapter 5, verse 12. Again, let me read it as I close. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, do not take an oath, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. May that be true for you, my friends, that you are not making oaths flippantly, but that your yes is yes and your no is no, and that people around you, people in your sphere of influence, people in your home, people at work, people at school, your neighbors, whoever, they would see you as someone who keeps their word. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time, Keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.